Welcome to Connected, episode 268. It is made possible this week by our sponsors, Moo, FreshBooks, Hover, and Away. My name is Mary Hackett, and I am joined by Federico Vitici. Hi, Mary. How are you? Hello. I'm quite well. Thank you. Um, so we, we need to, to address this up front. Um, we finally got rid of your husband on the show, <laughs> Stephen. Um, so after much deliberation, uh, Mike and I discussed uh, it is time for Stephen to pursue his true passion, uh, collecting old Macs, and therefore you will be replacing uh, Stephen, Mary. I'm very excited about this. Uh, we had a topic in mind. I know that you have a lot of uh, opinions and thoughts about headphones and specifically earbuds. Uh, I'm guessing I for do. working out and listening to music. So I kind of, I, I kind of wanted to kick kick things off with this topic. So Stephen mentioned a while back, before being fired from the show, uh, <laughs> that you, that you bought the new Power Beats Pro. I guess that's the name. Yes. So tell me. And I have a lot, I should say, I have a lot of questions for you because my girlfriend, Silvia, also bought these earbuds. Okay. I have a lot of questions. So tell me how your experience with these ones went. Sure. So I should preface all this by saying I don't like to buy new things. I mm. like to get one thing that works. And if it works well, I don't want to change it ever. Um, so... I branched out. Stephen encouraged me because my Beats X kept dying. I was on my third pair. So we branched out and tried the new ones, the Power Beats Pro. And mm. I was very hesitant because for several reasons. Um, the first of which being it takes up a lot of space in my bag. And I also always have a water bottle in there in my wallet and usually some things that belong to some number of children um, in my field notes and my phone and, you know whatever else I travel with every day. Mm -hmm. So I wanted something, you know, in the, um, my Beats X, their little carrying pack is fairly flat and I can just fit it in a little pocket. The Power Beats Pro is a lot bulkier. Yes. I like the way that it opens. It's really loud though. Like you mm. it can't really do it conspicuously. Um, when it opens and closes, it's loud and it's very slick. So if I drop it, if I'm like trying to do something in the, in the kitchen or like my hands are wet and I drop it, um, it automatically pops open and there go the earpods like, mm. well out into the floor. Um, so that's kind of annoying, but, um, as far as actual sound quality, I really like them. Um, they, they go really, they fit really well. Um, and that's because besides like going into your ear pretty, pretty securely, it also wraps around the back of your like earlobe all the way around the top and the back. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really bothered me at first, but once you get used to feeling it all around on the side of your heads, um, it really, I think it helps with the seal a lot. These are the ones that they have the in-ear rubber or silicon tips, right? Yes. They do. And you and you can uh, I guess they come in multiple sizes in the in the box. Uh, I you, think you can so. swap them. Yes. Okay. So uh, w the main problem that that we have that Sylvia has, um, w basically what you just mentioned. So she can never use any kind of in ear uh, earbuds uh, because after after a few minutes she says she starts getting a headache. Oh. Yeah, she thought that. These ones were going to be better. Um, she used to have the old Power Beats, um, not the Pro, not the wireless ones, when they still had a cable uh, running you know, around the back of your neck, essentially. Basically, after a few minutes of usage, she, she starts getting a headache at the sides of her head. Mm -hmm. And also, she complained about the, the, the ear hooks uh, that wrap around your ears. 
she was also getting a headache there. So uh, hmm. uh, she keeps saying that, and and I even let him uh, let her try the new AirPods Pro uh, with the. They also have the silicone tips. Uh, mm-hmm. Same problem. So she keeps saying that the 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 best earpo- earbuds for her are the standard traditional non-pro AirPods, the original ones. Yeah. Um, have you ever had any? So you, you mentioned you got used to the to the feel of the silicone tips and and the ear hook of mm-hmm. the power beats yeah so you, you didn't have any any of these issues you just got used to them i didn't but um mm. if if steven were here if he still had you know the position that i have now taken over um he would say he would agree with sylvia that mm. he he just can't stand and maybe it's just like anatomical like it has to do with the shape of your ear um because he can't stand either one of these that i have been trying going back and forth with the airpods pro and the um, Powerbeats Pro, both of those bother his ear, but he loves the original AirPods. But I, I mm. don't like them because they don't, they don't stay in, and I don't like oh. that they don't form to the shape of your ear. Interesting. So the, Air, the AirPods do not stay in for you? No. I mean, I, I can make it work, but, you know, if you're mm. moving around and, um, like, working out, I'd, I just felt like they were always slipping out, and that made me really nervous because... I didn't want to lose one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So with the, with the Power Beats Pro, um, what, what types of workouts do, do you usually do? Um, everything from um, just like working on a machine or might be doing uh, yoga where I'm upside down, doing handstands, you know, turning your head in a, to the side, um, doing different twists. And that's where I notice I'm having trouble even still with the AirPods Pro. I've tried both size tips and my ear seems to be right in between the two sizes that they give because the the smaller size will slip out and um, the medium size doesn't seem to help much either. Mm. I feel like I can't, it's Mm -hmm. fine for sound, but if I'm going to be in an awkward position, meaning like my head is to the side and my ears, you know, parallel with the ground, they're just, gravity's going to take over and I lose it. Have you noticed any differences between the Powerbeats Pro and the AirPods Pro in terms of the pressure of the um, silicon tips? Because Apple mentioned that the AirPods Pro have this new vent system um, mm-hmm. that sort of it's meant to relieve you know, pressure from your inner ear. Uh, they're using, uh, you know, better air mm. circulation essentially in these little tiny buds that they have. Huh. Uh, so in theory, they should be helping uh, with, you know, not making you feel, you know, that that feeling of pressure yeah. that you get with the like silicon tips. Like something stuck noticed... in your ear, yeah. Yes. <laughs> have you noticed any differences between the Power Beats and the AirPods as far as the... Yes, mm. and I did not realize that that must be what it is. I just thought that the Power Beats Pro were just, I can't really think of another word other than invasive. Like when you put it in, <laughs> you really have to, I mean, because you have to twist it. It's kind of a pain to get them in. You have to twist it all the way around your ear and then make sure that it's in. Um, and, and it does feel like it's just all the way in there. <laughs> like I can hear nothing else but my music, which is what you want. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but it does. Yeah, you can feel like you said, that's a little bit of pressure. It doesn't mm-hmm. cause headaches or any trouble for me, but but yeah, that does make the AirPods Pro a little more comfortable, I guess, in that respect. And what about listening to music? Um, any any sound differences you've noticed yes. between the two? Yes. So I really, I really wanted the, the AirPods are so fancy. The AirPods Pro, I want them to to be the best, but they just aren't. The Powerbeats Pro, like I can hear so much more bass. Um, like there's a song that I um, 
that I keep listening to kind of on repeat right now. Um, and they have a lot of one of their versions of the song is with the marching band. And mm. I listened to the song with last night with the Powerbeats Pro and then with AirPods Pro. And it was so much better on the Powerbeats Pro mm. just because I felt like the drum line was in front of me. It felt like I was on a football field. Um, and then the AirPods Pro just sounds so tinny and um, just it almost hurts your ears. Like I couldn't get it as the music as loud because it was just too much treble and there wasn't enough bass mm-hmm. to balance it out. Yeah. A lot of people don't like the beats sound. I do. I, I, I think it's I fun, it. you know, to have, to have a little more bass and, and the drums yeah. are a little more prominent. I, I've always thought yeah. it was fun. I want to feel you like know, I'm there. Of, yeah, uh, but a lot of people, you know, these mm, audiophiles, <laughs> these, these right, people, yeah. you know, folks who care about the purity of, of the sound and all that stuff, which I totally understand. Uh, sure, but they don't it's what, like, what are they you using them for? It depends yeah. on what's best for you. Mm-hmm. So next question would be touch controls. So the new AirPods, oh. you got to press on the little stem uh, if you want to play pause and, and trigger noise cancellation. But the power beats... They have the little uh, plastic thing by the side of your ear, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, they the have button. physical with the buttons. So uh, what's the difference like for you? So on the AirPods Pro, the stem, it's, it's just difficult to get to because the stem is shorter. Um, it's, it's difficult for me to like, I feel like I have to really work to get my fingers around it, to push pause, to call for Siri. Um, on the Powerbeats Pro, oh, and they're, Unless I'm just missing it, y'all correct me. Um, I I can't find volume control. There's not volume control on the AirPods Pro. Yeah, right? there's there's no there's that no volume control. Drives me yeah. nuts. Drives mm. me crazy. Um, and on the Powerbeats Pro, it's the button on the top. So there's like a round button where the B is, and then there's the another button up on top a little bit. And that one you can easily do volume up, volume down. Um, so I on button control, I prefer the Powerbeats Pro. Yeah, volume control has always been the one feature that that a lot of people have wanted from the AirPods. I really struggle to imagine how they could do it, though, because there's no room for buttons on on the AirPods, unless they were super tiny buttons that you need to press. And you could probably, with the old ones, with the old AirPods, with the longer stem, you Mm -hmm. could probably make the argument that you know was longer stem therefore maybe apple could have explored the idea of sort of swiping across the stem so it was like a slider Mm -hmm. to adjust volume but now that it's even shorter on the airpods pro i i really don't know you know you're gonna be swiping a finger on your ear essentially (laughs) like that's not gonna work (laughs) yeah really the only spot to be because they've got is that the vent the black bit yeah it's toward the top okay so that they couldn't do anything there but like right below it i feel like you could have like a tiny little slider where you could easily just zoop. yeah otherwise you gotta change the volume i mean if you have an apple watch you can watch yeah but you gotta like stop what you're you know stop your workout and um figure out where it is and yeah it's not ideal so Mm -hmm. uh, oh so after the beats x between the power beats pro and the airpods pro what's your pick Hmm. (laughs) i really like the beats x work best if they just (laughs) would not break if they just Mm. worked they would be my favorite how many pairs did you get (laughs) for the beats x i've been through three Oh my god. The first one was was faulty, just kinda DOA. Um so we sent those back, got a you know, they replaced them and then those didn't last very long and the I think with that second pair I think the buttons failed or it like 
something with the syncing in the button, it just, I could, they still worked as headphones, but nothing else worked easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third pair of the buttons died. So I just had to get like the, the light, the LED failed. And so I had to just guess if it was almost empty, if it was full <laughs> of battery. Um, and then it started having problems syncing as well. Mm, that sounds but terrible. I just, I like that I can easily with those between the Beats X and the PowerBeats Pro, I like that with the Beats X, you can uh, just pop it out real quick if somebody's going to say something or I need to listen with just one in because I'm also, you know, paying attention to kids or um, I'm running out on the road. I need to be able to hear road noise um, and you can easily stick it back in. It's not like with the PowerBeats or I've got to like pull out the the huge square right. and like it's, it's, turn it around my ear and stick it mm. in. Yeah, I can easily in and out. The volume's right there, you know, by my my neck since they're connected around. I mean, it's sometimes sure it did it did get tangled up. Like if you have a hoodie on and you're running, sometimes it would just kind of pull weird and you have to readjust. But it's not. It wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. So for you, the combination of good enough sound quality and the fact that you had physical volume controls mm-hmm. um, made them preferable to something like the power beats mm-hmm. which is i guess a little more convenient and maybe the sound better but you know yes. the design of the power beats it's a, it's a whole affair when you gotta pull them out yeah you're right the sound is is great because um, i did feel like I, we, there was some bass missing with the beats x as well and we changed played with the uh, volume controls but um it still was lacking a little bit. I mean, we 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 don't know if Apple is ever gonna do a proper update to the Beats X. Uh, it seems like they're pretty focused on the on the Power Beats and the AirPods uh, right now. Yeah, it's probably and you over. probably don't want to get a fourth <laughs> to model no. of the Beats X. Like, <laughs> it seems foolish. <laughs> I mean, after three the three tries, it's probably you know it's probably it's it time for to you. move on. Yeah, it's time to move on. So I guess I guess you're gonna keep using the Power Beats. Uh, I think so. Hmm, like hmm. I really I liked a lot of the new. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know the technical terms, but where you can. Um, you can change the setting on the iPhone to say like block out any uh, noise yes. canceling. You can do the noise canceling. Um, that's a really cool feature. And then where you can have it purposefully um, be able to hear if somebody calls you, um, I mean, calls your name, you know, like somebody in the room mm-hmm. needs your attention where you can hear it like clear as day. That is really cool. Um, Cause then you wouldn't have to have one AirPod out. You could have them both in and then hear also if somebody was trying to get your attention. Uh, or a car is beeping at you. Um, it's like, I wish that those things were on the Powerbeats Pro. Like, I really just want them both to be squished together. But, mm. alas. The Power Powerbeats Pro with noise cancellation and all the AirPods feature. That would be, that would be nice, actually. Yeah. And, like, the smaller packaging. Oh, I also like that it, it's tough to find. I guess it depends on your bag. But my bag is black and gray, just like the case. So sometimes I'm staring at my my Powerbeats Pro in my bag while I'm looking at them I'm like oh there they are it's hard to see but the AirPods Pro is white and I don't know the inside of any bag that if it starts out white it doesn't stay white for long um so um these are easier to see in my bag too well um 
Mary, thank you so much for for doing this. This was really uh, I, I, I was I think it was really informative because I, I never I rarely get to hear the perspective of you know um, somebody who's tried all these different <laughs> earbuds. I think Stephen and Mike person. and I we just <laughs> we just we just use the AirPods, uh, and <laughs> I have I have a uh, you know very little experience with the Powerbeats Pro again because my experience mostly consists of Sylvia complaining about them. Headaches, um, yes. You know, but I totally get it. You know, headache is not fun. No. Uh, thank you so much, Mary. Unfortunately, we I was just informed by my legal department that we need to hire Stephen back. Um, or his, his firing was not uh, was not um, a definitive decision. I'm afraid. So oh, we need. My reign was short. Yes, I'm very sorry. But it was it was a. Thank you for the chance. Oh, uh, thank you so much. It was fun. Uh, we're gonna have you back on sometime eventually because as always we need to we need your you're the power beats you're the power beats uh, resident expert at this point <laughs> we have michael is the apple tv guy uh steven of course all things mac old and new and you will be the power beats expert Mary. <laughs> this is a I'm title that i just bestowed upon you mm-hmm. <laughs> thanks federico <laughs> thank you Hey. Hey. I was talking to the chat room about stuff that I'm working on. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Also, that was fun with Mary. She did really good. Good. Um, I'm a little nervous to, to hear it. Why? In the edit? No, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, it's, everything's fine. Um, we should just keep doing the show. Yes. Okay. So earlier in the year, some point in the past, we did... Uh, audio predictions these don't have a name (laughs) they probably will at some point but uh we thought it'd be a good time to review these because there's been a lot of stuff that's happened as you and mary just spoke about audio predictions could be all all addictions pred audio (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't think that's it (laughs) But nope, <laughs> gotta keep trying, man. It's look, I really try. Uh, yes, so well, Michael is not here. Um, so it's true. Uh, I, I guess this will be hard to adjudicate. Um, uh, can you fill Michael's role? Sure, Stephen. Yes, so with the British accent. I can't, well. I can't do the accent, mm. but sure? so it's <laughs> so round one. Mike said that AirPods would gain more controls via touch actions. Yeah, he's not wrong about that. Not wrong about that at all. I mean, he didn't say AirPods Pro, but, you know. <laughs> he didn't say mm-hmm. force sensor, but, you know. He did it, it, we're going we're gonna to give him a point for yes. that. Okay. Uh, I said at least one more color option comes to the AirPods. I was incorrect. Yes, you were. There were rumors that Apple was going to do the black AirPods and the gold AirPods for some reason, uh, but that was not that was not true. It's not not true. Not I feel like happened. that could still happen at some point. Like if they need to refresh the product again and it's less of a big deal, colors are not at least the way to black ones. At least the in black, which yeah. is a you know standard enough color, sure uh, for earbuds. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's doing them. The, the the Samsung ones are black. The the new uh, Amazon buds are black. Right, you know, pretty standard color. Mm-hmm. And what was your first pick? 
the AirPods. So this is this is the problem with this pick that I didn't know any better, and I and I did too much yes. for a single pick. The classic uh, blunder. This is the cla- you know the classic mistake. I should have I should have known better. Honestly, the AirPods line is split in two. Yes, which is correct. Comma, and this is this is where the tragedy occurred. <laughs> the, the base version gets a small price drop in 2019. So uh, this is incorrect. 2019 is still not over. Still, maybe a chance that Apple is going to drop the price for the AirPods by the end of the year. I don't think they will, though. And therefore, this pick is is half correct, half wrong. But we do not award half points on this show for these predictions. That's correct. So, ethically speaking, this is not a point. But from a friendship point of view, I feel like you should give me the point. Mm, I don't think I can give it to you. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, well then, um, please go. So Mike, so Mike has one, I have zero, you have zero. Yeah. Round two. Don't worry, Mike blew it in this round and said Apple would release a mini HomePod <laughs> 2019. What was he thinking? I don't know, but that's wrong. <laughs> I mean, again, the, the year's not over yet, but uh, it's November and we haven't heard any rumors right. about this. That's like I... prime time holiday shopping stuff mm. and this is not here, so... That's mm, uh, Michael. Michael didn't get mm-hmm. the point. Stephen, what's your next pick? I said the HomePod would see a price drop, which it has. Really? Yes. It when, went. When did this happen? HomePod price reduction. Well, they're always on sale, right? But they went uh, in April from three forty nine to two ninety nine. Oh yes, I remember this. Well, mm. this was when you were bragging about the year of Stephen. When true. it happened. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That and my, all the executive mm, shakeups, which I was also yes, right sure. about. You were you were part of. <laughs> you were part of that. I, just, I called Tim. Like Tim, I need a point on my podcast. <laughs> it's time to get rid of some people. <laughs> Please let Johnny Ive go. <laughs> uh, oh man, that happened this year. I wow. know, right? <laughs> uh, my next prediction was, and I'm pretty happy about this one. Shortcuts will gain HomePod slash AirPlay 2 actions to play audio on HomePod more quickly. And sure enough, with uh, 13.2, mm-hmm. all of this happened. It did. Uh, you can connect to a HomePod, you can connect to any AirPlay 2 speakers, and you can play pause, shuffle, whatever. You can play audio on them from shortcuts more quickly. So good job, TG. This is a point. <laughs> so we are all tied up now. One, one, one. Oh, yes, we are. Okay. And again, hmm. uh-huh. let's see. What, so, what do we do here? Oh, Mike my God. said, Apple will create some new noise-canceling technology. I don't think what they're doing is new. It seems like well, it's better than everybody else. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about this? Because it, the AirPods Pro are new and the Beats Solo Pro are new, we don't know the technicalities of the feature. Therefore, it must, you know, we got to give Michael the benefit of the doubt. It's a new noise cancellation technology. It is, is, he got, he's got to get the point. Okay. Yeah, I, I, lean that, it, I lean that way too, because, I mean, Apple did talk about how they're using their, their audio processor and, you know, all that stuff. So I think we give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Stephen, what, what have you done? What have you done here? What is this speaker? It's so bad. What were you thinking? This is worse than the mini pod. <laughs> this is the worst pick of all of them. Uh, that Apple would do some sort of Apple News integration into its audio products. I still think there's room for this. Look, the Echo does it. Google Home does it. Apple does not. You know, maybe they could loop podcasts into this, but they've, there's been no movement here of combining like you know uh, the 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 voice assistant and the news service. So that is not a point for me. Apple News integration that was a bold prediction for you. It was bold, but it was wrong. <laughs> yes, and mine was also very very wrong. It was based on rumors that we were hearing at the time. I said, uh, you know, we were hearing that Apple was going to make. Um, over-ear headphones, like proper Apple-branded non-Beats headphones. And mm-hmm. I said, Apple HeadPods, because of course uh, came up right. with the name, are wireless only, have no headphone jack, charge either via Lightning or USB-C with, with power delivery? Like, w- w- <laughs> either via Lightning That's the or USB-C part. <laughs> is wild. What was I thinking? Uh, also, USB-C power delivery is way overkill for a set of headphones. <laughs> Why did I say either via Lightning or USB? <laughs> so I have a I have a thought about those rumors that we heard that Apple was going to make headphones with their the wireless chip and everything. I think those rumors ended up being true, except that it was a Beats product, right? Like you can imagine that people who are, are looking for Apple rumors in the supply chain or whatever. Like the difference between Apple and Beats is basically just branding at this point. They are the same company. And so I what I'm gonna try to do in the future when we see these like headphone rumors, I'm gonna try to be a little more agnostic about it. Like, yeah, that it could be Beats or it could be Apple. Cause I just I think that may have just gotten lost in the shuffle somewhere. Anyways, congratulations, Mike, who is not here this week, but uh is the the winner of our audio predictions, it seems like. If he's not here, should he be the winner? That's a good. I mean, if you if good. if you're running if you're running a race and you don't show up, <laughs> do you really win the race? It's a good point. So I don't know. Maybe he should, he should get minus one point for not showing mm. up. Well, that makes it a three way tie. So <laughs> no three way tie. Michael, it is. <laughs> Michael is the winner of the uh, 2019 connected Apple. Audio predictions. Yes, uh, the the, uh, a, the official the first installment of the AAP <laughs> unconnected. <laughs> this is, I'm look, I'm really trying to come up with a I name. Know. It's hard, you know. Mm. The Jeremys and the Rickies were so ob- were just like just obviously the perfect name. This one, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, someone can help us out and follow up. The audios. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, we have terrible. some follow-up, and we have yes. topics, and we have yes. all sorts of stuff. But let me tell you about our first sponsor. How does that okay. sound? Sure. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Moo, an online print and design company specializing in customizable business cards, postcards, stickers, and more. If you're new to Moo, you can order a free sample pack on their website, moo.com, so you can see what their products look like and hold them in your hand. Like I said, they do business cards, postcards, but they also do invitations, letterheads, flyers, anything you would need to seamlessly promote you or your brand. And you can count on Moo's quality. They have all these cool finishes like gold foil, a new silver foil, which looks really nice, ray spot gloss letterpress. All these little touches help you stand out. And if you're not a designer, that's okay because Moo recently rolled out new templates for business cards, which are inspired by their most creative customers. 
I've used Move for my business cards for years. I really nice thick paper. I've got rounded corners on mine. And anytime I hand a business card to somebody, I always get compliments on it. And that is thanks to Moo helping me stand out. So head on over to Moo.com and use the code PRINTMOO to get 15% off orders of $50 or more. That's Moo.com and code PRINTMOO for 15% off any order of $50 or more. Our thanks to Moo for their support of this show and Relay FM. So last week, y'all spoke about the AirPods Pro, and I, I wanted mm-hmm. to, to weigh in on what I thought about them. This may overlap with what Mary talked about. I haven't heard what Mary spoke about. So mm-hmm. the headline here is, I don't think they're for me. Uh, for one, the regular AirPods fit really well in my ears. I find them comfortable. They don't fall out or anything. While the AirPods Pro do have those rubbery tips, I just don't find them as comfortable. I, I think it's because they are further in your ear, and I, I really dislike that feeling. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, I found tips that were comfortable and, you know, the fit test thing checked out okay. But I, I found the additional pressure and sort of the fullness, the fullness feeling I had in my ear, I really disliked. I will say, though, that the active noise cancellation, like Mike said, is better than I expected. I find that generally a very uncomfortable sensation after a while. And mm-hmm. wearing the AirPods Pro for several hours with the noise cancellation on uh, was fine. By the end of it, I felt you know, like fatigue was starting, but it was better than I thought. But at the end of the day, they're a little less comfortable for me personally. And I really like the regular AirPods. So I'm going to stay put. I've grown used to the noise cancellation of the AirPods Pro um, over the past week. I also find it very comfortable, especially compared to other earbuds and headphones with noise cancellation. Um, I do get the sort of the weird feeling uh, for the first couple of minutes, but that it's sort of a it's almost like it, it it fits itself to like over time to to work better for me like it it gets better after a couple of minutes uh i don't know if it's a new pressure um you know system that apple has created with the vents in the airpods pro but it really does work well like i, I it feels a little strange for the first minute first couple of minutes and then it gets a lot better and I tried either in pure noise cancellation mode or the transparency mode. Mm-hmm. Works really well. Um, I The only issues that I've had over the past week, just randomly sometimes the AirPods Pro disconnect from my iPhone or uh, Apple TV. But it only happens once. Then I got to reconnect and it's fine. Hmm. Uh, it appears that like it happens at least once after I take them out of the case and I first connect them to a device. Uh, they drop the connection after like a minute. It happened like three times. So it's completely random and occasional, but I thought I mentioned this. Um, and yeah, I'm really happy so far. So, uh, Steven, uh, you're, you're going back. Yeah, um, I'm going to stay with the... Uh, I have the AirPods 2, the revision with the wireless case, and you're I'm right. going to stay with those. Hmm. So mm, yeah, well, makes sense. Yeah, but but um, I do. I don't really have a lot of environments where I need the active noise cancellation. Like I'm not on a train or a bus on <laughs> any sort of regular basis, right? I don't work in coffee shops with headphones on. Like for me and and my purposes, the features of the AirPods are totally fine, and because they fit well, and I can I can ride my bike with them, I can run with them. They really fit me, and so I'm I'm happy that they're um, going to continue to meet my needs. And I don't I'm not worried about Apple getting rid of them, like the AirPods Pro taking over, I think they will remain distinct products for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think so. Because there are people who want options and who want uh, a, ch- a cheaper product, right? The AirPods Pro are expensive. Um, also in follow-up, I mentioned last week that um, the wallet case that I'm using with my iPhone, it's a, the Bellroy uh, wallet case, mm-hmm. um, was not working with NFC triggers, and I was wrong. It appears that I ran into a bug with shortcuts and automation uh, on my iPhone. Uh, the top section of the case, um, right next to the camera where the NFC chip is located on an iPhone, uh, it does work. It scans uh, NFC stickers and tags successfully. So the issues that I've had uh, last week, they were just random bugs in hmm. iOS 13. Uh, Weird. So the case, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so the case, um, because it's thinner at the top uh, compared to the bottom section where you stick in your credit cards, it does work just fine with NFC. I've installed the... Uh, and I guess this is also follow-up. Uh, we have the first beta of iOS 13.3 and iPadOS 13.3 and all the other, you know, watchOS, tvOS and all that. Um, uh, I've installed it on my phone last night. Then I put it on the iPad Pro. Of course, it fixes m- more bugs than 13.2 and automation has been fine. So the all the NFC triggers are working correctly for me, and uh, we're gonna talk about this, you know, the issues with Apple software uh, later. But um, yeah, more bugs, more bugs fixed in in thirteen point three, which is now in public beta too. It just came out a few minutes ago. I'm off the beta train for a while. I just. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I generally do this. I'll run them during the summer at a certain point, leading you know up to the releases, and then. I stayed on it through the 13.1 cycle, but then I got off before 13.2. So I'm back on the public release on, on everything. And I'll, I'd imagine I'll stay there until, you know, sometime late next summer with iOS 14 getting into shape. That must feel nice. <laughs> it's great. Mm. <laughs> uh, so you have a tiny topic, and it, it is ironic because you made fun of me for thinking about Apple incorporating Apple News into its audio products. But mm. your tiny topic is integrating Apple Music and Apple TV more closely. So why is this not a silly idea? Because mine makes more sense than yours. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. So no, I, I, do, I do think that I, actually, you know, the Apple News integration, once you explain it, it does make some sense. It just, you know, when you see the Apple News name uh, written down, it, you know, it elicits that kind of response. I suppose, you know, because it, it's Apple News. It's it's not great. Are you still paying? Have you ever paid for no. Apple News Plus? No. Nope. Okay. Yeah, I, I canceled my subscription a few weeks ago. I realized I was not reading magazines as much as I thought I would. Go figure. Um, so my, here's my thought. So I was watching a bunch of shows on Apple TV Plus. Um, specifically for all mankind, I watched the first episode and... I realized that Apple was using a you know a non-original soundtrack. They were using songs, actual songs from other artists in the in the show. And so I, I thought, wouldn't it be nice if because Apple now owns both ends of the experience, they mm-hmm. have a TV streaming service and they have a music streaming service. Wouldn't it be nice to have an integration between the two where Either during the episode, a banner pops up that shows you the song, or if you don't want to be distracted, um, there could be a section within the TV app that 
tells you music from this episode. And it's got a list of the songs that appear in the episode, and you can open Apple Music to listen to them or add them to a playlist, whatever. And I tweeted this, and of course, very helpfully, a lot of people told me, oh, but Apple Music already has playlists for the music of For All Mankind and C and The Morning Show, which is exactly my point. I shouldn't have to know that these playlists exist also, I'm talking about something else completely, which is show me just the songs from this episode. I don't want a playlist containing all of the songs. I just want to know what the songs in this very specific episode that I'm watching are. And I really think that it would make sense to have this integration between the two services, if you're subscribing to both of them, of course. Um, and, you know, maybe it could even be a Shazam feature because Apple also owns Shazam at this point. Um, I just think it would be useful so that I don't need to know beforehand that I can find a playlist for The Morning Show and all those other TV shows in Apple Music. Just show me inside the TV app what the songs are because you own the service, both of them. And this integration should be possible. It's, you know, I think it will make a lot of sense. I always forget Apple bought Shazam. <laughs> like, yeah, they did. And this would be super cool. It, it reminded me of Amazon Prime Video. If you watch that on the iPad or I think even the Apple TV, mm. you can pause it and get information about who's in the scene, you know, trivia about the, the show, that sort of thing. And integrating music into that would be would be great, especially on a show like... For All Mankind, which is a period piece, there's a lot mm. of music in there that you may want to check out that you're maybe not instantly familiar with. It seems like it's just like low-hanging fruit, and maybe they'll end up doing that, you know, as, as these services become more mature, but it's it's still early days. But I do mm. like the idea. Thank you. Yeah. It's good. I will uh, we'll send the letter to Tim Cook. Yes, please. Officially request yeah. it. Yes. CC Eddie Q on that. Make sure it goes mm-hmm. to the, For sure. For the sure. right place. I have a quick question. Does Google Docs include multi-window support? No. No? No. It does no. not. How no. much are you using multi-windowed apps on your iPad? That's a good question. Um, I think I, I, I addressed this in, in my review in September. Not as much as I thought, uh, but it's a feature that I'm glad it's there. For the few times that I need it, I know that, I, that it's possible now. I think it, m- my problem is that I've conditioned myself to not think of multiple windows on iPad for 10 years. And just the way that I work and the way that I interact with apps has been shaped by that limitation of everything is a single window. And I think it's taken a lot of time for me to get used to the idea that everything doesn't have to be a single window anymore. You can open multiple windows if you want, but I got 10 years of muscle memory and, and you know, workflows and, and just ways of getting work done that I need to update and rethink. Uh, so it's taking me a while. I, I do appreciate the inclusion, though. Like a few weeks ago, I needed to work on a multiple text, uh, multiple markdown documents at the same time, and I was using IA Writer, and it supports multiple windows now. And so I'm glad that I was able to do that. Uh, you know, you long press on a document and you open it in a new window. Or I do things like multiple windows in mail, for example. Um, but it's n- like it's not like I completely revamped my the way that I work on iPad 
Pro because of multiple windows. It's just it, it's something that I use occasionally when it could be useful. Otherwise, the way that I work on iPad is not that different from six months ago. That's exactly where I stand on it. I've used it a handful of times, mostly with uh, with Safari, but it's just I just don't think about it. <laughs> you know, I just don't think about it in those in those times when I'm working on the iPad. Now, I am using the ability to have multiple apps and slide over. I really like that. Most of the time I have like TweetBot and Slack in slide over and I can switch between them while I'm working on something else. That has really changed how I work on the iPad, but the multiple windows mm. hasn't made a yes. a big impact. Yeah, totally agree. The 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 slide over thing is by far my most used that and column view in files. Those two are the most used new features for me. Well, I mean, of course, if you don't count shortcuts as sure. a, maybe you should count shortcuts as a feature. But you know, uh, in terms of non shortcuts things, uh, slide over and column viewing files. That uh, those two I use a lot. Um, so yeah, Google Docs though. Uh, if you, I guess, if you want to do multiple windows for Google Docs and you have an iPad you can use multiple Safari windows and access mm-hmm. Google Docs from the browser, which is not perfect, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's does a good enough job. Some of the controls are kind of weird. Uh, they don't necessarily work well in Safari for iPad, but they do work. You can, you can, you know, have lists and do indentation and highlights and that kind of stuff. And I guess you could do that. I've been doing that myself. Yeah, Docs is the primary thing I want it for, but I just and I haven't done a lot of it in Safari. But you're right, the basics seem to work just fine. I mean, for for my needs, you know, creating show outlines, it's basically bulleted lists and some formatting. Mm-hmm. It's nothing, yeah, nothing real fancy, you know. But some of my big spreadsheets I use, I haven't tried, and I'd be a little hesitant to. But I, I don't. I'm not ever in a situation where I need like a spreadsheet that's in Google Sheets up with something else because those spreadsheets usually are big and I want the maximum screen real estate dedicated to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that is follow-up. Uh, we're going to get into some Adobe stuff. Adobe had mm-hmm. a big week, um, but let me tell you about our second sponsor, and that is FreshBooks. If you're a freelancer saving 192 hours be a big deal, and FreshBooks can help you do that with their super simple cloud accounting software. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. You don't have to go into your task list and add a reminder for yourself to follow up on that invoice. FreshBooks will just do it for you automatically. And when you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks will tell you whether or not they've seen it, whether they've opened it, which puts an end to the guessing games. If you're listening to this and you haven't tried FreshBooks yet, now is the time. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of the show. No credit card is required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com connected and enter the code connected in the how did you hear about us section. We thank FreshBooks for their support of the show and RelayFM. All right, Federico, tell me about uh, fonts on iOS through Adobe Creative Cloud. 
Sure. Obviously, Adobe had a bunch of announcements this week. They had their Adobe Max conference, um, and and as part of that, they've also been releasing a few updates to their to various apps that they offer. And specifically on iOS, they updated their Creative Cloud app um, to support one of the new features of iOS and iPadOS 13, which is uh, installing custom fonts natively on your device without having to do the certificate-based workaround that used to be, in the past, the only way to install custom fonts. Uh, so with the new Creative Cloud app, you can uh, you can use it for free. And if, if you use it for free, you have access to uh, 1,300 fonts. So that, that's a lot of fonts that are, that are available for free. And you can open the app, you go to the font section, and you can browse the, you know, called the Adobe fonts, and you can search, you can select them, um, you can preview them. You can install multiple fonts at once. And the way that it works is um, this is not this is called uh, for developers a font provider app. So uh, Creative Cloud is using the new font provider APIs to bring up a native dialog uh, in iOS 13 that asks you, do you really want to install these fonts? And you confirm the process, and later you can find those fonts in settings. So if you open the settings app and you go to general uh, fonts, um, you will see a list of all the fonts that you have installed, as well as information about the about the, the, the font and the individual typefaces contained within the font. So you can see the, the, the font manufacturer and the copyright and the, the file size and all that kind of stuff. It's really impressive, uh, especially when you drill down into the typeface preview. So if you have different styles, like thin or bold or heavy, you can preview them all. You can preview the entire character set. You can preview the standard lorem ipsum text it's really well done it's very nice and it's a uh, uh, you know the, the main advantage is uh, you don't have to deal with uh, third-party hacks anymore so it used to be that in in previous years before ios 13 you would have to use something like any font to load uh, custom font files on your uh, in the any font app and install a certificate um, via settings that basically made the font available system-wide. Um, this is roughly the same idea in that you do install a font file and you make it available system-wide, but it's not based on having to use a certificate for that, which has you know, other security implications and all of that. This is all done natively. It's handled by the settings app. And when the font is installed, it's made available by all other iPhone and iPad apps that use the native font picker. So there's a font picker API, which has also been improved in iOS 13. And all the fonts that you install, in this case, using uh, Adobe Creative Cloud, they will be available in apps like Pages or Drafts. You know, anything that uses the native font picker gets access to fonts that you've installed this way. Um, in addition to the 1,300 fonts that you get for free, if you are a Creative Cloud subscriber, you can use Typekit fonts uh, with the Creative Cloud app for a total, once you combine those two sources together, uh, 17,000 fonts. Now, I don't know whatever want, who, who would ever need to use 17,000. Again, that's 1,000 <laughs> fonts. Unless you, I don't know, you, I mean, I'm sure there's someone who needs to use 17. Anyway, um, 
the point is, it's remarkable that you can install all these fonts via Creative Cloud. Um, iOS doesn't have the equivalent of uh, what's it called on the Mac? Fontbook, right? Font uh, like like a like a dedicated app for uh, managing install fonts and previewing them and doing different you know tests with them. But it's good enough. It's a good enough approximation of that in settings. Um, you can remove fonts at any time. And of course, when you, you know, due to the way that it's designed, um, fonts are basically an extension of the app. So if you install a font and then you delete the app that offers, that provides the font, the font is also gone. So if you install a font and then delete Creative Cloud, you will no longer get access to those fonts. So just keep that in mind. Maybe hmm. stash Creative Cloud in a folder and forever leave it there. Uh, this is nice. I was wondering what happened to font provider uh, apps that Apple shut off at WWDC. This is a great first example um, of, of that API. It's it's really impressive when you consider how these fonts, you can now use them in, in, in Photoshop also by Adobe. You can use them in any other app. And it's a, this is a big deal for anybody who does. Um, oh man, what's it called? Like when you do, when you do uh, like, you know, put, putting together magazines. Like there, there's, a, there's a word for that. Like Graphic to, design? No, there's okay. a different word. There's a different word for I that. I don't know. Layout work? I don't, I don't know what you want. Yeah, uh, anyway, if you do things that require fonts and custom layouts, um, this is a big deal because you can now do it on the iPad. And so the fact that these fonts show up system-wide in all apps that... that um, yeah, page layout is probably what I'm thinking of. Um, sure. Uh, I think it's very nice. I think it's a very nice feature. It's done in, a, in an Apple way in terms of like security permissions and the fact that these fonts are basically extensions of their host apps. I think it's very good. Yeah, I mean, I, I I downloaded it and played with it. It blew my mind that Adobe doesn't support password managers for login. So you just get a text field. <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on. You, you made a, an app that can install fonts. Like, you should be able to open one password for me. Uh, but it's very similar to what you get on the Mac. You can you get links to all the apps, and you have a bunch of tutorials. And, of course, you have your fonts, uh, but also your files. So... If you have a Creative Cloud account or subscription, you can keep like PSDs or Illustrator like in Adobe's mm. cloud and they're on your computers. All that's accessible on the iPad as well. It it really ties iOS and the Mac a lot closer together. And, you know, what is cool about this is that Adobe, and we're going to talk about, about Photoshop in a second, they are sometimes pretty late to the game. And there are sometimes coming in a little weak with their initial offering, but it's clear to me that they do, tr they do think about iOS and iPadOS as real platforms for people to create things on. And that's cool, right? Like it is cool that the iPad and the iPhone have access to these tools now. And I think Adobe is, is leaning into them What's uh, harder the, than ever. I'm still thinking about this. I'm sorry. What's the name of the app that was on the Mac that allowed you to do page layouts? Quark Express. Qu okay. Quark, uh, InDesign is Adobe's app. Okay. Uh, there was uh, PageMaker back in the day. All those, all those sorts of apps. Mm, I'm trying to see if uh, desktop publishing, that's also probably a word that I was thinking of. Mm. Microsoft Publisher. 
There's all, all sorts of yeah. You know, they, they should. I'm still waiting for again. Probably never gonna happen. Honestly, I really want to have something like iBook iBooks Author on iPad, especially now that we have custom fonts and we can do multiple windows and there's files so you can import assets from files from external drives you can do column viewing files uh, i know that you can put together uh, ebooks in pages but it's not it's not like working with ibooks other i worked with ibooks other right. uh, 6 years ago at this point when i converted one of my stories the editorial review to an uh, to an iBook um, used to be called iBooks yeah. uh, ebook um, built with iBooks author, and so to, to do all those fancy animations and the interactive galleries and all of that, I feel like I it would be great to have something like that again on iPad Pro, especially now that you have the pencil and all these new integrations and features that have come out since uh, twenty thirteen. Uh, but then again, probably never going to happen because Apple updates pages a few times a year. I struggle to imagine they want to do a separate... <laughs> uh, it's not even called iBooks anymore. So Books Author, I don't think it's happening, but it would be, it would be nice. <laughs> yeah, that app has not received a lot of attention from Apple. They've had a couple of updates to it, but I've done projects in it too, and it is pretty buggy. And a big, it's very resource intensive on the Mac, like trying to create complex layouts. Any Mac under the sun will, will grind to a halt. I think they ought to just roll that stuff into pages and make iBooks author files a target. And if you just want to do EPUB, that's fine. But if you want to do more, you can, because that app is just going nowhere fast. The other, another hope, I guess, would be to wait for the folks at Affinity. Uh, you know, they're working on an Affinity publisher. Uh, but it's desktop only. So maybe in the future, something like that will come out for for iPad. I know they're working, you know, they, they have Affinity Photo, which is both on Mac and iPad. They have um, the Illustrator version, what's it called? Affinity something else. Um, mm-hmm. Affinity De- Designer, maybe Affinity Designer is their vector drawing app. Uh, and they also have Affinity Publisher. I would love to see Affinity Publisher on iPad eventually. Adobe also has shipped Photoshop for iPad, which we saw shown off, was that a year ago? Yes, it was a year ago. Wow. They, I'm pretty sure that I, I was at the Apple event for the new iPad Pro, and Adobe right. was on stage uh, showing off iPad. Yeah, they were. That They had the demo with the crazy PSD weighing like multiple gigabytes and they were showing how the new iPad Pro was, you know, scrolling, you know, multiple zoom levels in that PSD. Yeah, that was a year ago. And now the app is out on, on the App Store. And it's not where what people were expecting. There's been a sort of a mild controversy on Twitter this week about how Photoshop on iPad is the first version of a long journey that Adobe would like to be the real Photoshop for iPad in the end. But right now, it's not. And and let me contextualize. It is the real Photoshop in the sense that this is not like a spin-off of Photoshop. You know, we've had something like Photoshop Express on iOS before. Um, This is the Photoshop. It uses the same foundation uh, and engine as desktop Photoshop. You can open all of your uh, cloud PSDs, which is this new format that that Adobe has been using for the past couple of years with uh, Creative Cloud. All of your desktop PSDs, 
will open on iPad with Photoshop. The problem is um, this is a huge uh, project for Adobe, you know, to unify their engines and their uh, UI stack between the desktop and iPad. And right now the issue is the iPad version doesn't have all the features that you have on on the desktop version of Photoshop. Um, I think Adobe explained this uh, saying that right now the iPad version of Photoshop um, is focused on on compositing, uh, masking, and basic retouching, um, meaning that a lot of the advanced controls that... And I'm not a Photoshop user, so... I'm I'm it's very likely that I'm getting my terminology wrong or I don't know the terminology at all but a lot of features that you have on, in Photoshop for desktop you don't have here like um canvas rotation for example still not here supposedly coming soon or subject selection you know refining the uh, edge refinement all that stuff is it's not on iPad but it's coming later and so far this version of Photoshop is sort of stuck between, um, uh, you know, this sort of being a companion to Photoshop for desktop, but also wanting to be more. This Photoshop doesn't want to be a companion forever. Uh, Adobe's goal, in their own words, is to to actually have it be the real Photoshop on iPad. Mm-hmm. They just need more time. The, the, full, the, full, the Photoshop. full Photoshop, the, if you will. Not real, the full Photoshop. Right now, it's, I mean, it's a still a pretty impressive pro app for ipad uh you know um, all your psds will open uh there's support for um split view and slide over and keyboard shortcuts but not um, multiple windows on ipad uh it can open you can export files as png jpeg psd tiff uh does not support raw photos so you cannot edit your raw photos in photoshop so there's a bunch of limitations like that um a lot of people were upset by this because we were all under the impression following rumors and interviews that Adobe did over the past year uh, and and you know the, their own presence on stage at the Apple event last year we all thought that oh yes they're going to bring the full photoshop on iPad when it launches eventually and then we started getting the 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 idea that this was not going to happen when Adobe uh, opened up the test flight beta a bit more to other users over the past few months and users started saying look this is not the full photoshop it's missing a bunch of features and it's been a year so i feel like adobe felt the need to at least launch this first version on the app store um especially you know to coincide with their own adobe max conference i don't i don't ever like like a, i don't have an opinion on this in the sense that i don't use photoshop i understand why people are upset uh i also understand how Photoshop is is a it's, it's an application that's been around for thirty years. I want to say yeah, forever. <laughs> I can only imagine like how massive of an effort it must be to s- steer this ship in a completely different direction, like mm-hmm. to take this code base and modernize it for all kinds of computer computers and and form factors, and to have the cloud integration in the middle. Like I get it. It I mean it takes time for it, it it takes time for simpler apps to to reach feature parity between Mac and iPad. Imagine Photoshop. And I'm just glad that they're actually committed to this. You know, I don't think this is the kind of 
project that Adobe will just say, yeah, we're going to try and see what it's like, and then they will eventually abandon it. No, this is the full, the real Photoshop. The full Photoshop, it ties into your Creative Cloud subscrip- subscription. They have provided a roadmap for features that will be coming next. And, you know, Adobe's goal is, you know, John Gruber wrote about this a few weeks ago. They are, um, you know, it's a massive undertaking that consists of unifying the Photoshop UI uh, and, and engine across all platforms to have one Photoshop that works everywhere. So that's not what it is today, but I'm very confident that it'll be in the future. And I think that's very important for the iPad Pro as a platform. It's such an obvious device for this sort of work, you know, especially when you think about the Apple Pencil and what it can do. And Adobe is not the first to this. I mean, we rattled off a bunch of third-party apps that compete in the space and who all do a really good job. But the truth is most people just want to use the Adobe products they're already used to. They don't want to switch to affinity or switch to, you know, pixel Mater pro or something like that when they've been using Adobe for 20 years in their job. And as the iPad becomes more powerful and a, and a more likely laptop replacement for more and more people, they've just got to be there. And I think you're right. They're in this for the long haul and I can't, I can't imagine the work that it must take, but it's work that I think is is good and beneficial for their users and for Adobe because they don't want to be stuck on the traditional PC as it gives way to you know devices like the iPad and the Surface and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, this is a real time uh, follow up. I was told on Twitter that Affinity have said that publisher is coming to ipad next year so 2020 2020 should be fun for i have a feeling 2020 is going to be fun for ipad pro software and that's because in addition to 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 this announcement and you know uh adobe being committed to photoshop uh by next year a lot of developers a lot of companies will have had a lot of time with ipad os and the new files app and the new apis and there's probably going to be new ipad pro hardware so that's exciting. I think it's going to be... A, mm-hmm. I have a feeling it's going to be a pretty good iPad year, 2020. You know, new decade and all that. The iPad is going to be 10 next year, by the way. Whoa! Yeah, January 27, 2010. That's uh, 10 years of iPad. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels like <laughs> yesterday. What happened? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Adobe has also shown off Illustrator. It's going to come to the iPad. Speaking of mm. <laughs> Speaking of 2020... <laughs> The, the Verge has a nice article walking through uh, a bunch of the features. And I think Illustrator is a really good example of an app that is probably going to has the potential to be better on the iPad than on the desktop because of the pencil in particular, yeah. you know, where you're doing really fine drawing work. And it's, a lot of people use things like, uh, you know, Wacom tablets on the Mac or the PC or other sort of stylus inputs. And to have that just natively on the iPad is a big deal. And so I'm looking forward to Illustrator. I don't use Illustrator much, but I would imagine that people who do, this could be uh, a big deal. Yeah. Uh, The Verge has a few screenshots and and GIFs uh, showing Illustrator on iPad in action. It looks good. There's a lot of controls, a lot of floating palettes, uh, you know, advanced controls, which I always like to see. Uh, Looks like like a desktop app being ported to the iPad and supporting the pencil and touch. Great, yeah. This is this mm-hmm. is great. Yeah, this is exactly what we need on, on iPad Pro. So, also 2020. So, 
Very nice. It's coming. And I think these apps benefit from the iPad Pro, you know, being the 11 inch or the 12.9. But remember, you know, the iPad Air, the i, you know, the iPad, even the iPad Mini has pencil support now, so you uh, could run these on those devices as well. I think when we say iPad Pro, you know, we think about that as the, right. sort of the the most powerful versions of these things. But these will run on the regular iPads as well. All right, let me tell you about next sponsor. That is Hover. When you have a big idea, the place to start is Hover, that big first leap, because your business starts with a domain name. And Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. So no matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for you. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. They're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy, so the bad guys don't get your info. Really clean UI when you're checking out or dealing with DNS or things like that. It's very simple to use and understand. And they have monthly sales on popular top-level domains. I've used Hover for years and years, setting up a bunch of new domains there, pointing them where I need them to go. I don't look anywhere else. Uh, anytime I start a new project, I start with Hover. I can put in my keywords into their domain search tool and come up with a domain name really quickly. Buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash connected and get a 10% discount on all new purchases. Once again, that URL is hover.com slash connected. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So 2019, I think in hindsight, will be a year where we think a lot about Apple's software quality. I thought you were going to go with the year of Steven again. <laughs> it is also no. the year of Steven, but it's it's also the year of software quality issues at Apple. How fitting for the year of Steven. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> my next rookie i predict bugs oh, in apple's no. next software release <laughs> and i wanted to to take a little time and talk about that with you because we're sort of done with the release cycle right like you said there's new betas for 13.3 and watch os 6.2 and whatever else so we're kind of out of the phase of of these being new releases things are beginning to settle down i wanted to, to ask you a few questions about this mm. uh, i guess i want to start with has this year really been worse than previous years? It's always easy mm. to think about the past with rose, you know, colored mm. glasses, but you're in this stuff every day a lot more than most people. You write these reviews, you review apps, you spend time with these products. Do you think 20, 2019 is worse than previous years? That's, that's a tough question because everyone's experience is different and that's because everyone is using different hardware with different setups and different apps personally so that that's all that i can offer my personal context i don't think it's been as bad as say 2013 or 2014 with ios 7 and ios 8 or even ios 11 in 2017 i think those years have been worse uh specifically as far as iOS, so iPhone and iPad are concerned. I think 2019, the problem is... I see two main problems. First, we come from the year of iOS 12, so 2018, which has been a pretty good year in terms of 
software stability on, on, on iOS. Apple very mm-hmm. publicly, publicly said in iOS 12, we're going to focus on performance and stability and getting rid of bugs and, and you know, um, polishing the whole thing. Um, they postponed, uh, they didn't officially confirm this, but we know that they postponed certain features for 2019 because they wanted to focus on improving the system last year. So coming from that, uh, we're now we're now met with these all these problems, and it it does affect our perspective because we thought that Apple had gotten better, but it turns out that you know improving software is not forever. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that you did it once, well then you're set. It means that it's it's a continuous effort. You gotta. It's like a you know it's like a garden. You gotta take care of, of the garden uh, every year. In this case, every month. It's not like because Apple fixed a bunch of bugs in iOS 12, then they're good. Uh, it means that they were good last year, and this year uh, you add features. Well, you add more bugs, and that's the second problem. The second problem I see is that coming from iOS 12, Apple maybe felt some kind of pressure to overcompensate for all the functionalities that they didn't ship last year. Combine that with the fact that the Apple ecosystem is now bigger than ever. You have the iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Mac, ARKit, CarPlay, um, HomePod, AirPods, and Apple TV. All those products, if you combine that with the need to overcompensate for 2018, the whole situation is basically compounded and you have more features on all kinds of platforms and you introduce bugs right and if you and i'm guessing that this is really challenging for me to talk about because i've i've never worked in a company right i i and this is where michael uh would be useful to have in this discussion he's he's worked at a company he has experience with you know dealing with managers and multiple levels and layers of management what it's like to communicate to to handle communications in that kind of corporation i don't have that kind of context i don't have that kind of experience but i want to say that there must have been based on some conversations that i had months ago you know, you have a feature that's ready to ship. You cannot hold it any longer. You just, you know, features that have been ready for two years, it's time to release them. And so if anything, I feel like the main problem this year has been finding this balance between we have all these platforms that we got to take care of, but we also have these internal and external pressures from the press, from users, to release new features, to send a message, or because it's features that people actually need. And it's hard to balance that. It's been hard for Apple to balance that, to have the same attention to focus and stability that they had last year with releasing new features and new functionalities at the same time for seven, eight platforms. It's crazy. And so, and in addition to that, I also want to add that we've seen historically, and even just last month, how Apple is still the company that when new hardware needs to ship, the software needs to be ready in whatever state it is. 
you know, the iPhone 11 and 11 Pro launched with the, you know, with 13 and 13.1 was ready to go a few days later. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a bunch of different issues. I don't think there's a single answer. Don't don't believe anybody who has a single answers for this kind of stuff. It's never I wish it were that easy to have a single answer like it happened because x or y it's not like that i think it's a combination of factors um maybe some of them some of the ones that i just mentioned but uh, my wish and i think renee richie did a video on this a few a few weeks ago and i think he also mentioned this Stephen. the idea even though i wouldn't like it right because my my you know my work depends on well not depends but i um I take advantage of these big software releases, right? With my reviews. But I think Apple should consider having and publicly state that they are going to have a more staggered release of their software updates going forward. Uh, To not do this big all-at-once software updates that, you know, on a Tuesday, you have six different... OS is dropping all at the same time because you know you're just begging for issues and problems to come up at that point so mm-hmm. i know that it's a beautiful thing to have these events right new version of ios with 200 new features but i do wonder if apple you know at, at their current scale and at their current exposure to the press and to millions of users and with all these platforms and services and devices that they have, I wonder and I ask, can they do that anymore? Like, it feels like you reach a certain point, such a massive company, such a massive line of products, you cannot do the big event with a massive software release all at once. Um, and you got to find a better balance between... Um, promising features coming in a new version of the OS in, in September and trying to be a little more realistic and saying, well, maybe actually this is more of a roadmap and this feature is coming in April or March, you know. I mean, that that big release cycle is really an echo of the 90s mm. or, even, or even, you know, the late 80s where you had these big software releases and they had to be big because you needed people to buy them because they had to get them on discs in stores. Mm. Right. I mean, you think about on the the Mac OS side for a second, you know, going from 10.2 to 10.3, you had to go buy a DVD and it was a big deal. Right. And and now it's annual and they're smaller until they're not like Catalina and people get mad that all their apps broke because they've been conditioned into thinking they're smaller releases. And I think it is time for Apple to consider if that's necessary or not. Uh, because A, it's a historic thing and, and maybe they're just doing it because they've always done it. But, but another factor is the competitive landscape has changed mm. and Android is still on a annual release cycle, roughly. But at least the last several versions have been smaller and smaller as Google does more through Google Play services. So they're not updating Gmail as part of the next version of Android. They're updating Gmail mm, when Gmail is ready. Mm. And they push an update to the Gmail app whenever it's good to go. They've decoupled features from the OS. And Apple could certainly do that. Like, why do we have to wait to a, for a major release for a new mail feature? You know, well, that's a bad example because Apple never 
adds features to mail, but you know, Safari, something <laughs> no, that they, they care no, about. No, but that's a very good point. And I think we've, I think we're starting to see hints of that. If you look at Apple Music, right? If you look at the music app, aside from the time synced uh, lyrics and the context menus in iOS 13, it is essentially unchanged as an as a native client from last year. But it is completely different from last year. And how's that possible? Well, that's because over the past 12 months, Apple has added new sections, new playlists right. to Apple Music as a service. And because they add it as a service, the app is different. You see new content, you see new sections, you see new initiatives. Even though the app didn't get an update, like the binary, uh, you know, the, the app itself is mostly the same. The experience of using Apple Music is radically different from from 12 months ago or 18 months ago. And that is exactly what you're saying. Like they're rolling out updates to the service. And I think as Apple gets more and more in the services game, like with Apple Music and TV Plus and, you know, news, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I wonder if they should do more this more, you know, more and more. I mean, even iCloud Drive, why do I need to keep waiting for files to get an update if I want to get new iCloud Drive features? So that idea mm-hmm. of Apple moving to, you know, becoming a services company also means that a service should be something that is continually offered to users and continually improved for users. And so what I've seen with Apple Music, I, I agree with you. I would like to start seeing with other apps as well. Um, so I don't know. Um, and Apple doesn't have to be as competitive with Windows and Android as it once did, right? Like if Android is not getting these big updates every year, Apple doesn't have to play defense is hard. You know, in iOS 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, 7, those early days, that was true because Android was getting much better at a pretty fast pace and they had to keep up. But the reality is that all of these OSs, mobile or desktop, all have basically the same features at this point. They're all feature complete, right? Like there are things, of course, we want added to iOS and macOS, but we're well past the days of it doesn't have cut, copy, and paste, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like they are mature platforms now. And as platforms mature, you can slow down on the on the release cycle if it means that you're willing to trade a little time for things like stability. And Apple, they did that last year, but it was still an annual release. And so I think you're right when you say it, this year's a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction of, oh, we got to add all this stuff back in because last year was quiet. Mm-hmm. I think the reality is most people who buy a new iPhone or hit update, you know, once a year or whenever it comes out, they're not counting those features, mm-hmm. right? right. They're, they're not they're not talking to their friends about, oh my gosh, iOS 12 was so quiet. Look, iOS 13 is quiet too. What's going on in Cupertino, right? Yeah. That's our world. Yeah. yeah. But that's not the bulk of those billion active devices Apple has. Those people don't think that way. But they do notice when things are buggy. They yes. do notice that when you're in iMessage, the keyboard goes away. Yeah. Or when you open the shortcuts app, all your shortcuts are gone. Or your battery life is really bad. They do notice the downside. And mm. I think I think Apple needs to be willing to sacrifice a little bit of praise from the people who want new features in a trade with the stability and the the security that people want 
and demand every day that everyday people demand. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was 13 could be that tipping point. I, I don't know what I'm a little afraid of is that iOS 14 will be like iOS 12, Mm -hmm. that they're going to pull back on features and they're going to fix the Mm -hmm. things and make it more stable. Mm -hmm. But then iOS 15 in two (laughs) years will be like this year. And they're on this like weird pendulum swinging back and forth. Mm. And that's not good for anybody. It's not good for users. It's not good for those, those of us in the press. And it's not good for the developers and designers at Apple working on this stuff, Right. right? I think about those people who, and don't get me wrong, like I don't ever temper my thoughts on Apple software or hardware, like considering the feelings of people who work on it. Like that's not my job. My job is to talk about products, but in an environment where you are rushing around, fixing a bunch of bugs for three months, and then you have to move on to the next new feature, leaving bugs open and undone. That's not a sustainable way to run a software organization either. I don't think, right. People are going to get burned out and frustrated at their jobs that they can't do uh, a job well done and Apple should be concerned about that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it is fair. Uh, I do want to address this idea that uh, that I've seen uh, mentioned by a few people on Twitter lately that Apple should fire Greg Federighi or that Craig Federighi should be held responsible for these issues. And well, first of all, I think there's this sort of strange obsession that some people have, you know, this idea of the sort of the cinematic firing of somebody, you know, uh, you're trying to find a single uh, responsible individual for software issues. Uh, You know, yes, we found the person and we fired the person. And, you know, just because you fired somebody doesn't mean that the problems are gone or that a solution has been achieved. Um, And, uh, like uh, all the you know we could talk about how in in conversations that we had uh usually at WWDC um how Craig Federighi seems to be a pretty well respected and beloved individual at Apple and and you know we could talk about how m- most engineers uh, speaking high praise of Federighi uh, because he's he's actually an engineer um yeah, he's one of the, he came up through the organization, right? He is one of them. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's one of the you know, all uh, every time that I that I you know talk to somebody who works at Apple and and the topic of you know, um, what what's he like working with Craig comes up, um, I always get the sense that and you know and. That that Craig Federighi fundamentally understands the issues uh, with the, with a specific feature or a project, because he gets down to you know to the nitty gritty of of, a, of an issue. Like he understands uh, code, he understands what it's like to build software, which is not something that you could say for all managers. Um, you know, uh, not to name any names, but I think it's very easy to get an idea of which executives at Apple understand code and well, you know, the ones that do not. Um, but the the I guess the main idea of Firing the manager and expecting the problem to be fixed. Um, there are situations where you do need to replace an executive. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you know that's the case. Uh, has been the case and will be the case at Apple. Um, I don't think in this specific instance of Apple having a software quality uh, ongoing problem. I don't think it it would be the solution 
to yes, Craig should be held responsible because he's is the executive in charge of all things software. Um, but for all the issues that we've seen, I think we should also remember, and I'm in no way no, I, I it's really it's really challenging to have this discussion without being accused of being an apologist. <laughs> so I'm just going for it. Whatever. I don't care. I know that, you know, my perspective is what it is. But I think for all the bugs and issues that we've seen, I think we should give credit where it's due. I think it's pretty remarkable that Apple can manage all of these devices in a single ecosystem with the kind of integration that they have. I don't... And I think we should, you know... Among many other people, the executive currently in charge of Apple software, we should give credit to that, that you can use an assistant on your watch or on a TV or on a smart speaker. Yes, it's not perfect. I don't think it's as, it's as catastrophic as some people make it out to be. That's my perspective. I may be wrong. You, you're free to say that I'm an apologist. I don't care. Uh, but I think these discussions, they, when I see them on Twitter, in the past I used to interact, interact and engage with those. These days I just pass by. Um, but I don't think, I don't think taking, taking things to the extreme is necessarily useful to this conversation. And that also goes the other way around. I don't think apologizing for everything that Apple does uh, is any good, honestly. Um, I think, the, the, you know, the man the truth is complicated is this middle ground of thousands of shades of gray and unless you work at apple you probably don't have a good sense of what you know what is even you know the truth of the of this conversation nobody knows but um i think these extremes of craig federici should be fired or you know apple is perfect they essentially moot points that contribute nothing to the conversation except for the biases of the people who bring up these arguments. Um, mm -hmm. So I disagree with the notion of let's fire Craig Federighi and see what happens because there's just the <laughs> equivalent of throwing a executive spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yes, let's replace the guy in charge. Maybe things will get better. No, turns out they will not get better because now you got to train all your engineers to report to a different person who has a different management style. You know, we'll never get to the bottom of this. <laughs> and if he is and if he is as popular as he seems on the inside, getting rid of him isn't going to do anything for morale. Right. Uh, yeah, because right. in all of then this, you're, you're going to have people exactly upset. in all of this. You also got to remember these are people writing code and reporting to their boss. They're not like algorithms spitting out code on a daily basis. There are people that have a relationship with their manager, and you know the manager reports to Craig, and you know it's mm -hmm. it's complicated, man. It's not. Don't never believe the hot takes on Twitter. That's my conclusion. Ne ne they're never accurate they're never true and they're useless so there's that it's good it's good life advice mm -hmm. if apple were to move to this this cycle that looked like uh you know wc is really a roadmap for the upcoming year like renee pitches in that video how how do they get there like what does that actually mm. look like hmm. it comes with a with a clear roadmap at wwdc 
it comes, uh, it, it entails um, more timely documentation for developers who are building features for these multiple platforms. I think it's it's in it it, it is absurd to be in a shit in a situation like we've been this summer with multiple APIs for iOS 13 and iPadOS 13 or shortcuts without any documentation until September. I think that's just it, 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 not ideal, right? It's, it's not a situation you want to put developers in. Um, but yeah, there should be a roadmap. And I know that Apple is maybe institutionally against the idea of a clear roadmap. But I also think that it's time for a change. Like, you cannot possibly expect to keep doing this forever, this big September release. And then you announce something and, and, and journalists talk about it. Like, I don't know, iCloud folder sharing or, you know, shortcuts on the watch or the HomePod multi-user support, whatever. And then later you got to backtrack and say, oh no, this is coming in the spring. Like, find a balance in the features that you want to prioritize and provide developers, even with a rough roadmap, like this is coming in September, this is coming later in the fall, this is coming next year in the spring. Like, even just that will help and have more timely documentation with more examples. Um, We could talk about, you know, improving the whole Apple bug reporter system, but that's another, like, we don't have any (laughs) another two hours to talk about that. But um, I think the 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 the, the primary idea would be it's got it's got to be a roadmap it it doesn't as much as apple appreciates its culture of secrecy it's got to be the opposite of of secrecy it it has to be a roadmap it has to be a series of steps for developers to know when can i build a feature that takes advantage of this api when should i expect this functionality to become possible for me uh, because otherwise you, you, you're leaving developers hanging for the whole summer in hope that, you know, yeah, maybe this feature is coming. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, that cannot, you know, that, that, that's not sustainable. And it's not a healthy environment for developer community, I think. Yeah, agreed. Well, we'll see what happens. I hope that Apple is using this cycle to really consider what it should do in the future. Mm-hmm. Because even if it may not be the worst cycle ever, it seems like it is the loudest cycle mm. in terms of bugs. Mm. And, and in a way, that's more important, right? Mm. If, if more c- people are noticing and complaining, even if technically there are fewer crashes across the systems, right. you know, and Apple can look at all that, this, the feelings in the community are so strong this year that may override any hard empirical data. Yeah. All right. We are going to talk a little bit about Apple TV Plus to to wind this out. But let me tell you about our final sponsor. That is Away. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. They started with the perfect suitcase, and now they offer a range of essentials that solve real travel problems. Their luggage is loaded with features. For example, the Away Carry-On, which comes in an array of colors, two sizes, and two materials, is lightweight, durable, and made to last for a lifetime of travel. It has a 100-day trial, 
so you can try it and out on the road travel with it and it comes with a limited lifetime warranty so if you have an issue they'll fix or replace your bag if it ever gets damaged because you know when you're out on the road you're getting on planes and trains and buses and boats things happen and away has your back they also have the bigger carry-on which is sized up to make the most of that overhead bin and away suitcases like i said are designed to last a lifetime you get a hundred day trial on everything plus free shipping within the us europe and australia I have the Away carry-on and also the large suitcase. Anytime I travel, I'm using one or both of them. And those free-spinning four wheels at the bottom make it really easy to navigate airports, mass transit, and more. So you can get around quickly without you know your bag tipping over or being frustrating to use. It just glides with you wherever you need to go. So go check them out. And for $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash connected and use the promo code connected during checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash connected and the promo code connected at checkout for $20 off a suitcase. Our thanks to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. So I want to talk about Apple TV plus the content, but before we get there, I want to talk about Apple TV, mm. the app, like the, the, the service level. Uh, we've heard a bunch from listeners about hiccup streaming. Uh, for Mike, Apple TV said that he couldn't watch anything in his country, <laughs> even though Apple TV Plus is available in the UK. In the UK, I've had issues where pausing something on the Apple TV streaming from TV Plus will kick me out to the home screen, like it won't remember where I paused it. Uh, have you had any any issues like this? Mm, fortunately, nope, nope. Nice. Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones, I guess. Are you are you watching on an Apple TV hardware 4K, unit? Yes. The names are ridiculous. The Apple TV but. box, the Apple TV 4K is where I'm watching Apple TV Plus content with the TV app. Yes. I know the names are uh, questionable. Confusing. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I saw a, a post uh, that... Uh, by Dustin Curtis about the names. I'll put that in the show notes. Just just go read that. It's really funny. Yeah, it's. I know that it, it makes... I guess it makes some sort of sense in its own twisted logic that it's an Apple TV box and there's an Apple TV app and the service is Apple TV Plus. But when you spell it out together, it, it is funny and it, and it is confusing. Mm -hmm. I, you know, maybe there should be different names uh, for the different yeah. products. I'm I'm using the Apple TV... The 1080 version. Okay. I don't have a 4K television, and I have not experienced TV Plus on you know a Roku or right. you know Samsung TV or anything else. I'd be curious to hear from listeners if you are using it on third-party hardware, how that's been. So like, let us know. I'd love to hear that. Maybe we can we can talk about that. Next I can week. actually try that. But I have a Samsung television with the Apple TV app. Oh yeah. So I should follow up. I should try that. Let us know. I will follow. I up. mean, hopefully. It's it's exactly well, the same experience, be, but with a better it remote. Be this, well, the remote of the Samsung TV is no, not good, man. Not not good. Pretty mm, bad. Mm. Yeah, um, but no, no, no issues for me so far. I've only watched on the Apple TV, so I haven't. I I, I don't watch okay. TV shows on my phone. Sometimes watch them on my iPad, but not this time. So let's talk about the shows that we have seen, and I'm gonna say at this point that we may spoil something about these shows. So mm. be warned that we're going to fire the spoiler horn borrowed from our friend Jason. Mm -hmm. And after that, you're on your own if we if we spoil a show. We're going to try not to, but it's probably inevitable. So that's just how it is. 
So what have you seen so far? So I'm all caught up on the three episodes of The Morning Show, and I watched the first episode of For All Mankind last night. I still have to okay. watch C. So I have, I've only seen For All Mankind. Uh, I, I saw all three episodes. Okay. Uh, Mary wanted to watch The Morning Show with me, and we haven't had an evening to get started on that. Mm. But uh, let's start with The Morning Show, because in a way, that seems like the flagship show. Like, that's the one that Apple... Mm. It's got the biggest star power. It's the one that they seem to be pushing the hardest at this point. Uh, what do you think about it so far? I came into the show very underwhelmed by the reviews, and I've been pleasantly surprised. I think it's a good show. I think it's an excellent cast. I think it's a good story. It's captivated. It has captivated me uh, in a way that I was not expecting it to do, um, and I'm I'm eagerly anticipating the next episode. I you know I think it's a good story. It's the you know it's the kind of uh, story that is very much um, it it is a contemporary story about the the m- all many kinds of issues like women in the workplace uh, specifically you know. Uh, um, Jennifer Aniston, she plays the host of a morning show uh, in, in America, this fictional, um, I think it's called TBA, TDA uh, network. Um, and it's the story of the consequences of the Me Too movement um, and the consequences on, on um, you know, both sides of the of sort of the story uh the the person uh the man that is accused of uh um abusing women in the workplace which is played by um I'm terrible with names Stephen Steve Carell um St- yes Steve Carell. Uh, and uh his colleagues at the at the network and I think it's it's not when I say both sides it's not the kind of story that tries to argue in favor of both sides uh, thankfully, uh, at least based on what I've seen so far, I think it uh, the 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 show tries to explain what happens on both sides, and so we sh- we see in the first three episodes how the I I I should say I never remember character names, so the character played by Steve Carell, how he deals with being fired from the network and sort of a uh, you know um, and there's um. You know, this this idea of cancel culture that some people talk about, like how suddenly his career after 15 years at the network, you know, being in everybody's homes in the morning with the morning show, it becomes the subject of this, um, you know, all of these accusations. And so and I think it's really well done. I think it's it's uh, it's a good story. It's very much modern and very much relatable. It's you know based on actual facts uh, that actually happened, uh, specifically in the United States. Uh, I saw a scene uh, showing how, and I think this was based on on a on a story from a guy that was fired from ABC, maybe, uh, how this person, this man, had a button installed at their desk to close the door remotely. And Yeah, it was uh, NBC, NBC, I think. Okay. But yeah, a, a truly horrific yes. story. Yes. And, and, truly horrific. And the show has a, and the show has a call-out to that, showing how the one of these desks uh, had a button installed to close the door. So it's very much a modern story. 
Um, and it try, and I think so far it does a good job of uh, showing because we see these stories from you know we hear about it on Twitter we we see it on the news. This show wants to show you what it's like in the inside of a TV network that has to deal with the consequences of all this. And I mean, I think it's well done. Uh, it's not a it's not a funny story, right? It's but it's a I think it's a right. it's serious. It's a serious story, but I think it's a it's a captivating one, and it's well done. Mm-hmm. And the actors, like the cast, is excellent. I think Jennifer Aniston does an excellent job. Steve Carell does, and Reese Witherspoon as well. I love her character. Like the you know, she plays a uh, this uh, local news TV reporter that suddenly uh, is thrown into the spotlight of national television. Um, I'm on the hook for next for the next episode. Like, I want to see what happens. I want to see what the story is like. I think it's well done. I honestly don't understand what... And this is often the case for me for TV shows and movies. I don't see what the issues with the from the early reviews were. I think it's a good show. Mm-hmm. I think it's well done. I want to see what it ends up being. Yeah, the reviews are so interesting. I mean, if you... I think we spoke about him on the show a couple of weeks ago. Like it was a very cool reception from sort of the regular reviewer people. But the reality is people like all sorts of different types of shows and Apple is perfectly capable of making good television, just like they're perfectly capable of making bad television. And my sense is that maybe they don't have anything spectacular yet. Like I don't know if there's a single show that you have to sign up for this to watch, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like with Netflix has had that a couple of times, like, oh my gosh, everyone is watching this. Everyone is talking about it, right? Or HBO or AMC. I don't think Apple TV Plus has that yet, but it seems like their shows are all, at least for the most part, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they have like a real clunker yet. Maybe C. I think people mm-hmm. seem uh, upset about that one, but I haven't, I haven't watched any of that yet. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Uh, I am excited for the morning show. I I think for the reasons that you talked about, it's a very interesting topic to have a show about, Mm -hmm. especially right now where it's still very much part of our culture. And, you know, it is a a show about a current event, and that's always really interesting. And again, the the cast, I mean, you couldn't ask for a stronger cast really for television. Jennifer Aniston coming back to Mm -hmm. television for the first time, that's huge, right? And I'm excited to see... Uh, what that's like. I'm excited to see Steve Carell in a serious role because I know him best uh, as a comedic actor, mm-hmm. right? The things like The Office. Right. right. So uh, I am excited about that. Um, I've watched all three episodes of For All Mankind. Okay. We spoke about it on Liftoff yesterday, but we did not spoil anything um, there. But the premise of the show is that right before Apollo 11, the Soviet Union beats America to the moon. Which is such and a good is, premise. Is, I, I mean, I, it's so I good. I love the idea. Like, just a single event. It, it's so mm. good. And then they follow it up. So Apollo 11 goes. That doesn't... So it, it diverges from real history very quickly, obviously. Uh, Apollo 11 goes, but is almost a disaster. And then before Apollo 12, uh, the Russians put the first woman on the moon, which in real life has yet to happen. The only astronauts on the moon were men from America. Mm. Artemis... This I'm on a space tangent now, Artemis is NASA's program to put people back on the moon in the 2020s. They say that the first mission will have a woman aboard. There'll be a woman on the moon. Mm-hmm. So so the the show very quickly becomes about, comes from, oh my gosh, Russia beat America to now 
President Nixon wants women uh, in the astronaut corps, and where episode three ends off is that women are training to become nice. astronauts. So, can you tell me if which is the sorry, uh, if the Nixon tapes, like the conversations that you hear, at least in the first episode, those are not real, right? They're, okay. No, no, but I think they did a really good job at using the tapes, right? To like share what Nixon is thinking because Nixon recorded everything that came out in Watergate. Right, so like it's, right. it's it's a fun way to get Nixon worked in. Yeah, okay. And uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of historical footage. In fact, there are several shots across the three episodes that the show is 16 by 9 or 16 by 10 or whatever. It's widescreen. But of course, back in the day, everything was 4 by 3. And they have classic footage of Apollo hardware in 4 by 3. And they go back to that so that they dip in and out of like historical video, which is uh, fun. And they, they don't clean it up. It looks historic. So they are winking to the fact that it's a period piece, but not shot in the period, right? Like there's there's that sort of meta level to it. But I I, I enjoy the show. And I'm a space nerd, so I'm predisposed to liking this. But I think it I think it's a really interesting premise that to take something we all know really well and just stick a fork right in its eye and say, okay, what we grew up knowing what happened uh, in this world, that didn't happen at all. And it, it took this radical departure. And I would imagine, Jason and I spoke about this, as for all mankind goes forward, it will depart from reality mm-hmm. more and yeah. more, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like the, like the women and the astronaut training, like that didn't happen right. in the 60s, uh, really. It happened for... Mercury, and that, there's there actually was a historic uh, women's astronaut training program, and that is referenced in the show. And some of those women are characters in the show now, so like they tie it to what was there, but they are you know going to increasingly depart from the timeline. And I, I'm really excited to see where that goes because fiction in a setting that is historic is just that's a really interesting sort of genre yeah. for me. You know, things like uh, Man of the High Castle. Yeah kind of do yeah. the same thing, right? Like it's, it's historic, but then, then they turn and wink at the camera. You're like, Oh, I, Oh, this is not the history that we yeah. know, you know, it, and I just love those sort of stories. And so I like for all mankind, uh, the acting is pretty good. There, there are a couple of places where it feels, it feels a little thin that some of the, some of the characters responding to things feel a little off, mm. but I'm willing to, to, write that off as it's the first couple of episodes and like most shows get better further into their first season, right? That's almost universal. I mean, there are very few shows I can think of where the best episodes are episodes one, two, and three, right? Like, and so I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I'm excited for when episode four comes out on Friday and I'll be watching it this weekend. And I'm i I'm a fan so far. Anything that is based on, on chaos theory and the butterfly effect, you know, the idea of changing a single condition at the beginning Mm -hmm. and then having wildly different results at the end. I'm I'm all in for that kind of stuff. I love uh, I love the idea. So uh, I I think I saw somewhere that Ronald uh, Ronald Ronald Moore. What's the name of the creator of For All Mankind? Yeah, Ron Moore. He has like multiple seasons planned in his mind, mm-hmm. and the idea would be to like um, jump back to like multiple decades in the future to see like the consequences of this single event. Uh, Russia putting a man on the moon first like how it changed mankind for decades to come. So th- that idea of like mm-hmm. a single condition at the in the initial at the beginning how it can affect history throughout the decades that's that's an awesome concept and yeah I'm I'm in. I want to see what it's like. I want to see what happens. 
Yeah. So all in all, I think Apple is, I think the start is totally fine. You know, TV plus is free for effectively everybody at this point. Like, I mean, if you've bought something in the, in the last, however long it is, like I would imagine most people are watching it for free for the next year. And, uh, and so for that, you know, I'm not paying 10 bucks a month at this point, then I'm, I'm fine with it being a little slow. Uh, I'm fine with there not being a ton of, a ton of options. There's a lot more coming. Uh, there've been stories this week. Apple released the trailers for their first couple of movies, uh, including one called the banker that looks really, really good. And those are going to be in movie theaters mm-hmm. and then streaming on Apple TV Plus, which is something that Netflix and others have played with. And uh, several years ago, there was actually a big dust up with Netflix trying to do this and a bunch of uh, industry people being really upset about that. But Apple's going to do it. And so I think the best is is yet to come with TV Plus. But I think what's here is a is a pretty a pretty solid start. It's not amazing, but it's it's definitely not as dire as it seemed like it was going to be based on initial reviews. Yes, yes. If you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about, head over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 268. While you're there, you can get in touch with us. You can drop us an email with feedback or follow-up. And again, if you're using TV Plus on a non-Apple TV hardware, I actually honestly want to know how that is. So please let us know. Uh, you can do that on Twitter as well. You can find Federico there as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. Uh, Mike was away this week, but you can follow him on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. And uh, I would say uh, to, to, so for Mike to know that he was missed, because he is missed. I mm-hmm. miss Mike when he's not here. Uh, what, should, what should people send him, Federico? Do you have any ideas? What should people send Mike? Hmm. You Send Mike... A tweet, I M Y K E, with your uh, your favorite holiday meal. So wherever you are in the world, it can be it's very good. It can be Thanksgiving, Christmas, anything. Uh, your favorite holiday meal. Let's get Mike in the holiday spirit. Yes. Sounds mm-hmm. good. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my work at 512pixels.net. Uh, I'd like to thank my wonderful wife, Mary, for joining you earlier in the show. I have not heard that mm-hmm. yet yeah. as I'm saying this. I will, I will hear it in the edit. You're going to like it. Uh, but I, I'm excited uh, to hear that. So thank you uh, to her for uh, stepping in this week as the, uh, the headphone tester in the family. There's headphones everywhere, Federico. She's just testing things all over the place. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I like to thank our sponsors this week, Moo, FreshBooks, Hover, and Away. Until next time, buddy, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Adios.